Welcome to episode 39 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We are covering the Porsche European Open on the European Tour and the RBC Canadian Open on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and resident podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good evening, chaps. Evening, guys. Evening, guys. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at a good talk golf. We're available on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn for Android, Spotify, Player FM, Podtail, and Stitcher. Naturally, subscribe or follow the podcast and tell your friends about the show. Please take time to rate plus review us on iTunes. It all helps to keep all of our weekly content free across the website, YouTube, and this particular podcast. Well, first things first, Barry, a winner at the Open Championship for you. So well done. That's a, if, if, if I'm if I'm reading this right or remembering this right, you had the winner at the at Augusta, and now you've got the winner at Carnoustie. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's gone pretty well. I'm I'm just I'm happy. I kind of stuck to to what I said last week that I you know if we're looking back on it. I kicked myself for not having backed him, and and also that like you know looking back at it, everyone would kind of throw their hand to their head and go, well, of course, you know, it was so obvious because the hot the hot form he had, um, and it was things that you guys were saying that like going into the open, you need to be playing really hot, really recently going into it, and uh, and he was playing the golf of his life. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anybody was, uh, I'm not going to say close to him, but he was definitely standing head and shoulders above the rest as far as I was concerned. Uh, so, yeah, thrilled thrilled to get the win. And that's probably the most comfortable uh, I've ever been sweating a bet. He just looked so yeah, yeah, solid. I was so impressed with him. You know, let, let, you know, get, let's, let's, let's go back to this, right? How many players have you seen go out with a chance of winning a major... And to make matters worse, they're paired. You know, they're paired with Tiger Woods, right? So that's bad. And not only are they paired with Tiger Woods, but Tiger starts like a train. Mm. Takes so, the pressure yeah. off, though, doesn't it? Takes the pressure off him a little bit in that position because the focus is clearly all on Tiger. Um, you know, and the expectation around the turn was that Tiger goes and wins this. He was, you know, he was favourite and he was being backed in, backed in, backed in, and. Uh, and then, know. as soon as he hit the front. He started skewing it left, right, and centre. <laughs> Absolutely. Amazing what pressure can do, isn't it? Yeah. I, the, even though he was playing with Tiger, I always remember um, back to when he beat him in the Ryder Cup in the singles. Yeah, that's, true. You know, that's, that's such a big thing to be able to draw on in a situation like he was in yesterday. Um, and his swing just looked absolutely pure. He was just striping it. I mean... It was his ball flight was so impressive and um, yeah it's, it just caps off a great run of form. And, when he uh, mi- when he did miss a green, um, his scrambling was superb. Well, it was his scrambling that won it. I mean, you're, you're right, Barry. He's, he, he was striking the ball lovely, but he did miss a number of greens. And you know, some of those ups and downs they, they, they weren't easy by any stretch. I mean, he's yeah, putting he from it. he's putting from five, six, eight, ten feet. But yeah, he, he wasn't. He was. He was. Ne- and as Barry said, you just watched him. He wasn't ever going to miss a putt. 
No. He just wasn't going to miss no. one, was he? Now, if you go back... Now, you don't have to go back very far, do you? When you just you, you just sat there watching Molinari over a, a four foot or six foot. Yeah, yeah, and he's going to miss it. And you, you, you expect, him to, and in fact, you expect him to not even hit the hole. But every one of them, he was, you know, he, he made a lot, didn't he? And well, what can you say? Very, he's, very he's impressive. A, he's a ser- serious coup for the European side in the Ryder mm. Cup. Yeah, big star. Yeah, and you know, going to the Golf National, that's you know, suits him down to the ground as well. He's um, he's going to be a big, important part of that, and the confidence flowing through his veins, you know, massive, massive, mm. massive confidence. No, very so good. So memory note, memory note for memory note for you, Paul. Next year, don't discount people that haven't played any links golf. Well, that's two now, isn't it? So Spieth had come. In fact, Spieth hadn't played for a few weeks, did he? But yeah, um, played it, for a month. Um, and Zach, he'd played the uh, John Deere the week before his victory in 2015 as well, hadn't he? So, yeah. So that's, so that's three of the last four, yeah? Can you remember, uh, going back two or three weeks, all three of us were sitting here scratching our heads saying, why is Francesco not playing over in the on the European Tour? Why is he not playing these uh, Rolex events? What's he doing staying out in America? And clearly there was a game plan there. Clearly there was... You know, a preparation that he was doing both mentally and with his game to get himself ready for that position, and he took it. Yeah, I think there was. I heard something that he had, he needed to fulfil the um, the the playing the tournaments requirement they have on the PGA Tour. Uh, but for whatever reasons, it worked out, and yeah. it seems that 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 is the, the key thing for the Open. Just who is. Who has the hottest hand going into it, yeah. regardless of where they've played beforehand? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, mean, I, do I you, have you guys have I, you guys done any kind of looking into who you know how people performed? You know those that prepared in say the Irish Open, the Scottish Open. Are there any ones in particular stood out to you that you know that preparations you know went well for them? Haven't had much chance to get stuck into it yet. Whether you can put your finger on that specifically or not, I'm not sure because. You know, a number well, Frank, of the players. Yeah. A number of the players well, did play one or other of those warm-up events, but um, you know whether that did them any good in reality, it's difficult to say, isn't it? You got players like um, Shalfley coming in, who, he, uh, you know, in all, in all fairness, he could have won that. He perhaps should have won that. And he'd you know, been he'd been in good nick in the build. He had been, but would you put him down as a, a links player? Of any, any no, 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 not well. No, he's just he's a major championship player now, isn't he? Well, he's, clearly, you know, and, yeah, and two a champion from last year, two a champion. He is a class class player, Shuffler. For, for, and for, at the moment, he's outside of the Ryder Cup sports, as is Tony Fee now. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. an incredibly competitive scenario out there in the states. Finau played really. Yeah. Well, yeah, Kisner. I mean, out of all of the players there, I mean, Shalfley, he, I, in my mind, you know, the mistakes he made and for him to still be in that position right right towards the end where he could have won that tournament, um, you know. Yeah, the, and he, watched, he had that lip out for, was it Birdie or Eagle? Look, I think it was for... for on the 14th, yeah. Up a scorecard here. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, it got a good bit of the hole and yeah. that would have made things an awful lot more interesting. He's, um, his open record is ridiculous now. Mm-hmm. He's got a, Fourth last year and a tied second yeah, this year, absolutely. and you just wouldn't have him down for it. You know, he's got a uh, hits the ball really high, but he was controlling his uh, trajectory great. And he strikes me as a kind of um, in the same way that uh, Kepka does, 
you know, doesn't you know, kind of just like get lost for a few weeks and not really seem to bother too much at regular events. But yeah. when the big events come along, they just seem to be able to turn it on. Yeah. Um, it's a very impressive talent to have. And um, yeah, you could it, you could even you know, say the same about Kevin Kisner. Yeah, what did he do? He was he, was he runner up at the uh, match play, wasn't he, earlier in the year? Uh, so, uh, long, yeah, way back though. I mean, if you if you were talking about immediate form, he no, didn't nothing, have any. No, no, there's nothing. Nothing. Uh, he, he got a short game lesson from Pete Cowan this week, and seems to that that, that little thing just unlocked him. Mm. Yeah, something, um, something tweaked, but, didn't it? Definitely. Do you know what? Going forward, like Schofield is definitely uh, one to keep on on our list for for I'd say for most majors, yeah. because he doesn't seem to go and win the regular events or or play even phenomenally well in the regular events. He could all, he's probably one to, that will always be available at a decent enough price mm. in the majors. On um, a Golflandia podcast a couple of weeks ago with Matt, um, he was interviewing Joel Darman's caddy. And Joel Darman and uh, through his caddy basically said that when they were on the web.com tour together, um, there were things that Shofley could do that even sort of Darman and his caddy were going, whoa, I, you know, we can't do that. We're nowhere near that good. Hmm. And he never won on the web.com, but then he got onto the PGA Tour. And in his, and in his rookie year, what does he go and do? Goes and finishes, was it fourth at the US Open, wins his maiden PGA Tour title, and then wins the Tour Championship just yeah. for... That's the kind of talent we're dealing with, I think, with Shovler. Yeah. He's a very talented boy. He is, isn't he? And he's he, got mental fortitude, isn't he? He doesn't... When he gets to the top of a leaderboard, he doesn't tend to disappear. Well, equally, you know, the mistakes that he made at the start of his round yesterday, um, you know, you, you could have excused him or a lot of players for completely crumbling at that position, but, but no, he... he as Barry said, he, he got himself in a position where had he made that eagle on 14, that, you know... You literally right back in the mix. Anything can happen at that point. Yeah, just Mr. Birdie on sixteen hit a great shot in there to sixteen. I mean, like he was, and then and then he hold. He had to make eagle on eighteen when you know when push came to shove. And he fired that thing straight at the pin. That was dead down the throat of the yeah, pin, just and it just pulled short, up yeah. short. Yeah, he's uh, he's a serious player. He is. Yeah, he's he's very very good quality. I. You actually look at the Americans and the young Americans that are coming out. You know, you've got the likes of. I mean, this is on top of Coop Coca. Um, you've got the likes of Deshambo, Shofley. You know, these Tony Fina. These are real talented mm. guys, aren't they? They've, yeah. they've got a real. Yeah. I'm just going to talk about this because, in a way, I mean, don't don't disrespect the two tournaments that are on the table at the moment. But in a way, it's almost more interesting talking about this. But this 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 is the top eight automatic qualifying spots at the moment for the USA, right? So you've got Coca Johnson, Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas, Bubba Watson, Jordan Speed, Ricky Fowler. So they're all locks. The last automatic spot at the moment is held by Webb Simpson. Now, I wouldn't put him as a lock, personally. No. You've then got 9-12, to 12, DeChambeau 9, Mickelson 10, Xander 11, and Matt Kuchar 12. So effectively... You know that Tiger's going to get in as a captain's pick. Well, you say, you, know, you, know, you say that, Steve. I saw earlier today, and this price right. caught me by surprise. On right. the exchange, Tiger Woods was just short of two to one to make the team. That's absolutely stealing money. There's no way in hell he's not getting on that team. Well, there's, well, no, there's, there's no way Jim Furyk doesn't put him in as a captain's pick. I mean, unless he breaks an arm or a leg or something in between times, I, I, I'd yeah. be inclined to agree with you. 
after this week, there's just it's it's a hundred percent two to one is free money. Yeah, I agree. So if you take on board that Tiger's going to be a captain's pick, and Phil, we were talking uh, Barry and I were talking about this off mic before uh, we we got together. If you take Phil and Tiger as locks, yes, for captain's picks, for me. That then leaves three spots, one automatic and two captain's picks, between Webb Simpson, Bryson, Xander, Matt Kuchar, Kevin Kisner, Tony Fina. I mean, that is going to be a bun fight. Yeah. And you've got the PGA coming up, you've got the, um, the, the WGC at uh, Akron as well, haven't you? Two big events. Yeah. yeah. And you've got the FedEx Playoff Series. I think, I don't know how it quite works this year, whether they're making the cut after the first two I'm not, I'm not sure but yeah it, it's just I mean that is a lot and then you, you look at Europe and Francesco now top of European points Rose Hatton Fleetwood they're locks Rory's a lock John Rahm's a lock Alex Noren and Paul Casey they're the two uh, they're the four in the world points and then outside of those you've got the likes of Sergio Stenson uh, who else we got? Tior Bjorn Olsen's close. Russell Knox. Even Eddie Pepperell's moving up the European points list now. Yeah, don't forget Henrik Stenson. And of course, Henrik the... Stenson, who's a lock. <laughs> well, he's a lock, isn't he? Oh, and we, we haven't no, even mentioned yeah. Ian Poulter. I mean, in my mind, Poulter is going to be a lock. Poulter was so disappointing this week. He was carrying my five pounds. I won a couple of mine. Um, I just, I don't, I, 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 I don't know. It's a shock. I thought he was going to go so much better, and he, uh, he ejected badly. Mm. Oh well. <laughs> well. I've just tried to find yeah, that um, yeah. Tiger Woods price on Betfair, and I wonder if that was a mistake earlier because there's, the market's up, but there's no price against him now. So that was showing on Odds Checker earlier. But um, I'm going to keep an eye. They, on that. They must, I'll keep an eye. They, they must they, be listening they, in live. They, they say that men can't double. They can't double task. There's Paul desperately trying to get a bet on while he's recording a podcast. <laughs> I, I didn't hear a word you said for the last five no, minutes. Classic, classic stuff, mate. He, he's bagging five. Hundred or Woods at two to one if he can get it on. There's no bloody money. Like four right. pound fifty. <laughs> what about what about the peoples here this week? Eddie Pepperell having oh, a few drinks too many Saturday oh, night going out, mate. just like all of us going out and playing golf hungover and shooting round of the day. Beautiful. Stuff. That's that's awesome. I love that. Do you know he, he was down below twenty to one at one point to win that. And, you know, yeah, I know. given that, you know, had the wind picked up a bit more, you know, it wasn't, at the end of the day, it wasn't that brutal for the guys coming home, was it? You know, it, it could have been far worse, but um, had that been particularly nasty, had that really picked up as the leaders were coming home, you know, five under could have uh, could have been a real, really big target to try and achieve, but... Um, yeah, it was one to, it was a good, it was a good target to post early yeah. on, uh, for sure, and it just, yeah... I'm sure he's going to be thrilled with a tied sixth, and he was what, the day before. He's uh, he's so pissed off about his game. He goes and has a few few drinks. <laughs> I, I I'd love to know how because he said we we sat down and had a, what a half an hour worth of drinks, and yet he was saying he was hung over. I'd love to know how fast he was drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah must have stuck a few away very quickly. Either that, yeah. either that he's not telling the the entire truth. I doubt he's telling the entire truth, but like that's just brilliant. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's great. It's great yeah, to see that. You know, he's just he's just a golfer like the rest mm-hmm. of us who happens to be uh, particularly great at the sport. So, 
Uh, one one of the journalists said to him, "Don't you have a coach? Yeah. yeah. Uh, how can you be? Uh, doesn't that affect your performance?" And he just laughed, didn't he? <laughs> he yeah. He, just he, was say- he said, "Well, clearly not." <laughs> <laughs> I think he was saying it was the mental performance that he needed to fix and the drink was the answer <laughs> yeah that's right he pointed at his head didn't he say it's in the brain yeah. Yeah, which you can yeah, un- yeah. which you can understand him going out there half cut he's, he's not you know he's, <laughs> the tournament's ended at that point he's just gone out there and played for fun hasn't he and, mm. and hey presto he shoots the low round of the final round yeah yeah super yeah, stuff impressive and, you know, that's, that's big points and uh and big money for him as well. Even that, you know, that finish there—it's all good, all good for early. Has he got any chance of getting in the PJ Championship? Was he got to be top hundred, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. Was there? A, is there any sort of reciprocal thing where if you get a high enough finish in the Open, you get a spot in the PGA Championship? Or he's up to seven, he's up to seventy seconds. So he's in. Well, there you go then. So he's going right, to be he's going to be out of Belry. Well, good, fantastic. Yeah, it's a good couple of events for him because he, he was one hundred and seventeenth going into uh, to the Scottish, so uh, he's, he's jumped right into it. But I think going back to your original question, Barry, about the you know the links, Francesco won, Kevin Kisner, McElroy, Rose, McElroy played the Irish, didn't he? Rose played the Scottish, Chauflay, Kevin Chapel, and then you had Eddie Pepperell was clearly like the links. You know they talk of. Talk about a local links expert getting involved. It was Pepperell this year mm. with Woods, the last one in the paying places. I mean, I'm, I'm going down to tied sick. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting stuff, isn't it? Mm. I don't think it played quite as tough as we thought it would do. I nah. I think that the RNA got the course conditions perfect, no doubt about that. No, no complaints at all from any of the players. I think it played brilliantly. It just the wind never quite got to where it really needed to to for it to be one of the you know one of those kind of three under four under winds it type things. No, not with the, not with the yeah. rough as as light as it was um, oh, yeah. rel- relative to years gone by. Um, yeah. you know, and that, that again, that's a symptom of the weather. That's a symptom of the the dry conditions that they've had up there for the last uh, few weeks and months. So. You know, again, they're not going to go out there and overly water and fertilise the rough just to try and make it absolutely brutal. They just just let it play how it was, uh, you know, how, how nature intended. And as you say, it was set yeah. up for uh, fair. And uh, you know, the RNA can take a lot of credit from that. I think. Oh, they just pull it off so smooth. It just it seems so effortless the way they can pull off setting up golf courses. Don't meddle with it. And it was just—I thought it was an absolutely phenomenal um, Open Championship for for how the course played, the fairness of the course. You hear nothing but the players singing its praises mm. that it was a good challenge, and um, you know, just I—it all built up to a day yesterday that I needed about six different TV screens. There were <laughs> so many people involved. What was it? Six players at one stage tied for the lead when Rory made that eagle on fourteen. Yeah. <sighs> What a tournament. It was amazing. I think that was I'd, I'd, that was the best major in terms of competitiveness and exciting viewing since the PGA last year, because that was a good one with Thomas, wasn't it? And I think that had about, you know, halfway down the back nine, there was five or six tied for the lead at that one, wasn't there, at Quail Hollow? Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's brilliant. Saying that Augusta was the Augusta was a different kind of finish, but that was equally as exciting. I think you got to a point where there's so many players who are very, very good and very, very comparable in terms of their abilities that you. You know, you may well see more of this, where you know there's a lot of players in a in a real shout. Um, you know, with, with a hole or two holes to go, more playoffs potentially in uh, in majors. We shall see. Yeah, and once I mean again, not to, to go back to the course. Once the course is set up properly and fairly, it gives a blend of styles and uh, and. Uh, uh, types of players a chance to compete this week like Eddie Purple is not the longest guy on tour yeah. Molinari is not the longest guy on tour neither is Kisner uh, you know Kuchar is not one of the longest guys these are you know a mix of guys who are in the top 10 yeah. uh, Rory and Rose and Woods would probably be the, and Finau are the you know so there's this totally different cross section of styles of golfers there and that's amazing you're not just favouring the Bombers wasn't Zach Johnson the 36 hole leader he was yeah. he was tied with can't remember he fell away but but yeah every, every style of play had a chance didn't it mm. yeah Zach looked good for a while didn't he it, it, it was quite heavily back before as well Zach there's a lot of oh, it was, it was well again another with he had red hot well to be fair he had that final round at the John Deere Classic didn't mm. he yeah and if you actually look at look at that who tied with him on that final day both shot sixty fours Frankie and Zach Johnson. So it just shows you it can be as hot as an immediate form in the week heading off to get on the plane to arrive at the Open Championship venue. Yeah. Um, should we talk RBC Canadian Open? Yep. Uh, they're, they're playing it. I mean, uh, I'll put my hands up, although I've had little chance to do this on the basis that the Barbasol's run over and they haven't put any markets up. Um so I'm further behind on where I usually am. Um, I'll be getting my t- uh, betting preview out there in the morning. Um, p- being played this year, RBC Canadian Open, they're playing it for the last time o- after the Open Championship. Next year, it, in the new schedule, it moves to the week before the US Open. So the current spot for the FedEx and Jude. Uh, they're playing it again at Glen Abbey Golf Club, which is a Jack Nicholas design. Um, they've played there, I'm trying to remember now, they played there in 17, 16, uh, they played there in 15, the year day one, or the year day one, and they also played there in 13, but I think it moves to uh, potentially Royal Montreal again. Or No, I'll tell you where it is next year, it's Hamilton which is where Scott Piercy won in 2012. Mm. It does move around, but it seems to be a lot... Um, it's not on a rotor-type basis that we've got over here. Um, a bent grass greens, a classical golf course, tree-lined. Um, it just seems... Last year was 21-under won this. It was particularly soft. And Johnny Vegas, of course, won for the second year running off of um, miscut, 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 miscut as his form in. Um, he won at 125 to 1, which I know a few people speculative just punted on him. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be, I'm not sure they're going to be doing the same this year. I'm seeing them at 50 to 1. Yeah, I think the bookies have learnt a little bit after, uh, after that. Sorry, last, got that yeah. wrong. 40 to 1. Mm-hmm. And he's not in, not in a great deal better form, really, is he? Yeah. Slightly, slightly better than a string of missed cuts, but uh, not massively. But this was last year. Uh, Vegas and Charlie Hoffman. Hoffman was a twenty-five to one shot last year. Uh, they got into the playoff at twenty-one under. 
Poulter came third at 20. Then Gary Woodland, Brandon Haggy, Tony Finau, Robert Garrigus, Dustin Johnson and Kevin Chappell. I don't know about you. the ball for? That, that, yeah, I was going to say, that sounds a little bit like a, um, a Bombers type track. That's that's incredible. A uh, year before that, Johnny Vegas won, and he he was um, ahead of John Rahm, Martin uh, Party Marty Laird, Dustin Johnson, and they ranked eleventh, sixth, fourth, and first for driving distance. So it really does seem to be a bomber's paradise. Yeah, um, I th- and you, I'm not the, the course. Clearly, those those stats kind of back that up from the last couple of years. Were they. I mean, my take on the course is it's not necessarily like that. Any kind of brand of golf can probably compete around there, but um, clearly those stats would suggest that uh, the Bombers have found a way to uh, to score more heavily recently. I think it depends on the course conditions as per. Mm. And I, I know that it rained, uh, it rained there yesterday, it had quite a dousing yesterday, the course, and it's a 60 to 70% chance of a good dousing on Wednesday. And I think if that happens, you've got to look more down the route of potentially bombers. Um, thanks to Paddy Power, they've actually come up with some prices, which is great. They're going um, eight places this week at a 50-odd, so fair play to them. Um, I'll just read you down, because odds check is showing nothing right now. Dustin Johnson, 13-2. to two. Brooks Koepka, 12-1. to one. Tommy Fleetwood at 16s with Tony Fee now. I know that you're interested in Tony, but I don't think you'll be touching him at 16 to 1, Paul. No. Uh, Big Bad Bubba at 20s. Uh, Kevin Kisner at 28s with Sergio and Matt Kuchar and Charlie Hoffman. Then the likes of Schnedeker, who's won around here, which kind of proves your point, Paul. You don't need to be a bomber. But if you think about Schnedeker, he's a bit of a freak, isn't he? Because he wins at places like Torrey Pines, where only bombers can win, and he yeah. wins there. So yeah, yeah. he's quite versatile. Uh, Bi- Billy Ho, yeah, very versatile. Billy Ho at thirty threes as well with Ian Poulter and Gary Woodland, and then we're out to forties with Johnny Vegas, Chesson Hadley, Chris Kirk at forty fives. I won't be backing him again anytime soon. Chris Kirk, <laughs> after what he did at the John Deere Classic, uh, Keegan Bradley, Austin Cook all at 45s, and then we're out to the 50s. Jimmy Walker, Troy Merritt, who's just won the Barbasol, beating um, Billy Hoshall or Horschel by, by a shot. Ches Reevy, he's another one on my won't-back list. JB Holmes at 50. And then we're out to... Um, this guy last week, Paul, you're all over him like a rash, Stuart Sink. You can get him at 66s. Yeah, he didn't do too bad, did he? You know, He didn't. <laughs> The, the the birdies just weren't there when he needed them. If you you look, if you finish top twenty five something like that in the end, and finished finished nicely. Yeah, in reality, you know, he's only two or three shots off getting a top ten finish there and, and paying us out for each way. And and some of the holes that he didn't birdie, some of the easier holes during the course of the week that he didn't birdie, a, a bit disappointing really. But um, yeah, he's yeah his underlying form is there or thereabouts. Sixty six is yeah, it's, it's not the worst price in the world, is it? He's there with Stricker, um, Shane Lowry, Tom Lovelady, who's just finished in the top three at the Barbasol. And then we've got the likes of Wesley Bryan, who I wouldn't touch with yours. Kelly Craft, the 80s, is going to be worth some investigation, I think, because he's playing some nice stuff. 
Um, as is Kevin Tway and Bronson Bagoon, who's also at eighty to one with Love Mark Hadwin and Martin Keimer, Matt Jones, who seems to have a nosebleed as soon as he gets anywhere near the top of the leaderboard. Patrick Rogers, <laughs> Sam Ryder. There's a few at bigger prices I like. Um, I know I'll leave one for you, um, um, Barry, because I know that you're very into him. The one I've already written up as a tip and who's definitely going to go in my preview, um, and I'm surprised by the price, whether it's still there in the morning when I'm going live, I'm not sure. But for a guy that's finished uh, fifth at the Greenbrier, um, he was sixth last time out of the John Deere Classic, and he's hitting greens for fun, and he was fifth here, uh, fifth here after 36 holes. Uh, last year is Harold Varner the third, and, you know, and you're, we're talking high GIR, big, big, strong drivers of the golf ball. Varner ticks that those boxes quite well for me. So I think Varner. I mean, I'm amazed at that price. Mm. I thought he was going to be around the 66s mark, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it seems quite attractive price, doesn't it? So that's the one I'm definitely going to put in from that kind of price range. Um, John Hur's another one who's playing some nice golf beneath the um, the surface, so to speak. He's a hundred and fifty to one. I tell you, you know, we talk about motivation. I, I tell you, who hasn't been priced up yet, and he's just been added to the field as well. The Vander Kid, Joachim Neiman. He's a sponsor's invite and has just been added to the field. So I don't know where Neiman's going to fit in in those prices. What's your, is your unlimited invites now for the season? Is that is that your yeah, status? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd assume he's going to take a few of those up, isn't he? So he wasn't. He was a. He was a. He was on the alternates list, and then he's just come up. Rob Bolton's just tweeted that he's. He was the first um, sponsors pick. Right. Okay. The only thing with Neiman is where. Where do you think in that in that set of prices Neiman's going to end up? It's be about the forty bracket, I expect, won't it? Oh, they'll probably have him at twenty eight or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I fear. I don't think they'll be that generous. What, alongside a, a Cucho or Sergio. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, well, we'll see. We'll see. If you put him out of 40s, people will be jumping on that because he'll be besides, what, Chess and Hadley? No, not having that. But yes, I, I'm just saying I wouldn't have Hadley. I'd have Neiman over Hadley yeah. at 40s, yeah. Mm. At that price, yeah, yeah, I would too. So I'd have, ne- uh. I'd have Neiman over Vegas. Anyway, we shall, we shall see. Now, we talk about motivation, don't we? And I'm I'm looking at the list there. I'm wondering if DJ is going to be overly motivated. Uh, I'm wondering if Brooks is. You could see Tommy going well this week potentially, trying to get his first uh, uh, victory in America. He clearly played nice golf last week. Tony Finau, you would have thought, is as motivated as they come. Hmm. But in my mind, he always struggles to a put two top tens together and b. We're talking about a one-time PGA Tour winner at sixteen to one. He's, although he's playing uh, golf a lot. His ball striking was really good. Uh, yeah, yeah you could say that last week, couldn't you? His ball if striking he could play, he'd be dangerous, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was really strong, really strong. But yeah, I've, I've got this kind of crazy thing in my mind about Sergio this week. He's added it to his schedule. He's played in America, in uh, sorry, Canada, even three times in his career. He's finished fourth, third here, and fifth at Royal Montreal. Not a bad record. 
I mean, that is 16, 17 years ago, but it kind of constructs that he clearly likes the golf, these classical golf courses. Mm. And if we're talking Ryder Cup and we're talking about players that are definitely in the Ryder Cup, we know that Sergio will get a captain's pick. But I keep saying this, and I say this about Stenton as well. They will want to get into that team with momentum behind them. They won't want to be limping in there, you know, begging a captain's pick, finishing, you know, getting missed cuts and finishing sort of thirty fourth. And I, I said to Barry off off mic um, a few minutes ago, you were all over Sergio like a rash last week, and I didn't disagree with that at all. I, t- I tell you what didn't help Sergio the draw. Yep. I think him being in the group was he either ahead of Tiger or behind Tiger. Yeah. was the worst possible draw that he could ever had because yeah. that kind of thing just freaks him out. He knows that they don't you know, they just they don't want to be within three miles of each other. No, it's not, not ideal, no. And the outing before it at Le Golf National, he shot that incredible third round and went off he was third after fifty four holes and came within one birdie of making a playoff. Yeah, it was after trebling the first, I think, didn't he? So, um, mm. so yeah, he, bat- he battled his way back, and uh, yeah, he had a chance going up the last year to make birdie from an, an improbable position, and uh, ended up sticking it in the water. But um, you know, he's, he's had a go at it, which you'd expect someone of his status and uh, you know, ability to 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 not settle for a third or fourth place to have a go and see if he can win the tournament and. Uh, but I'm just I'm just looking at Sergio and how he tends to get results in Ryder Cup years, and I'm going back to because if I'm this is my memory and I do apologise to um, listeners if I've got this wrong. 2008, he played at um, he played in Ireland, didn't he, at the K Club? It was 2010 the year he missed out, but 2012 he qualified for the Ryder Cup, and that particular year he missed the cut at the PGA Championship. And the week after, he went to the Wyndham Championship, which kind of on kind of on a par with this year, mm. and he went and won the tournament. And then I go to 2014, another year where he qualified, and he missed the cut at Augusta, finished third next time out of the players. He was 35th at the US Open, and then finished second at the Travelers. Again, another kind of tournament that I'd put on a level with this. And then he was second at the Open Championship and the week after, or two weeks after, was second at the Bridgestone Invitational. That mm. was the week he should have won and Rory McIlroy won it when he was on that hot streak. Yeah. And then in 2016, he was uh, 30-something or other at Augusta and then he finished third at the um, Spanish Open. And he was fifth at the US Open and finished fifth at the BMW International Open the week, the, um, the week after. So there just seems to be this pattern here where he pops up in a tournament directly after a major and really hits it hard. And I'm tying that in with the fact that he's been fourth, third and fifth on his three visits to Canada. And you think it through as well with Sergio. He played the Open de France. He then played the Open Championship. He's playing this week. He's going to play next week at the Bridgestone. He then plays the week after at the PGA Championship. Do you think he then wants to be in a scenario where he want, he has to play the Wyndham Championship? Because at the moment, he's even outside the 125 in the FedEx Cup. Yeah. He's, I think this week for him is a week where he's actually going to have a real go at it. Well, you know... So I, I, I don't 
don't think 28 to 1 is too bad a price on that basis. I mean, do I take Sergio at 28 or do I take Kevin Kisner or Matt Cujo at 28 to 1? Well, given that he was 33s last week and I, I, I backed him, I backed him quite heavily last week and you can see how that turned out. But, um, you know, his form leading into that, I thought, was sufficient to take that risk. And if you're getting a price that's comparable, who knows, we're looking at one bookie who's come up so far for, for this set of pricing. You might, yeah, get, you, you might get 33 to 1 by the time they've all priced up. I think, Paul, if he, if he goes in at 33s, I just have to go with him. And I just, I, we've said this about biorhythms, and you look at patterns in players, and that, that pattern there of him going to play, tournaments like the Wyndham, going to players tournaments like the Travellers, and not even performing brilliantly at the previous major, mm. um, and then he goes out and finishes first or second, that screams this week at a tournament, and we keep saying, you want players that are motivated, yeah? yeah. And from a Ryder Cup perspective, I think that flick of form that we saw in Germany and then at the Open de France, a golf course that he'd never played before, um, that says to me that he's, he, he's realised and he wants to start performing at a, at a higher level to make sure that he gets in that Ryder Cup team with momentum. Yeah. So I, I think if there's 33 to 1 about Sergio Garcia, I think that's a punt to nothing. Worst bets out there, I'm sure. I'm I'm not going to forgive him because I picked him for a one and done league last week and was I was tossing up between him and Spieth and I was sure I was sure I'd picked Spieth, uh, but I ended up going with Sergio so I got absolutely zero return for him. So uh, how many um, how many times though have we gone big on a player and then the outing after the week after he absolutely bend you over backwards. Mm. Happens all yeah. I mean it happens all the time, mate. Yeah. I was I was Twitter I was. T- t- I, I tipped up the other week che, Ches Revy and Chess and Hadley and during Thursday I know it was only Thursday both of them had the temerity to be in like the top 10 top 12 after missing the cut badly at the John Deere Classic and you just think my god even Kyle Stanley I mean he, he shot about 8 over at the John Deere Classic and he was in the top 10 after 2 rounds at the Open Championship and you think my god <laughs> this, is in, this is just ridiculous <laughs> It's a conspiracy, Steve. Well, it's madness, isn't it? But yes. Now, I know that you've got a, a player there, Barry, that you're very interested in at triple digits. I have a bomb, yeah. Oh. I'm really surprised to see this guy at 100 to 1. Um, it's Ben Ann. So, you know, classical golf course, we know he can play them because he's won at Wentworth, the BMW PGA. Uh, he actually played pretty well last week, but for round four, where the uh, Carnoustie got the better of him and uh, finished him off pretty pretty severely on 15, 16, 17, and 18. So he ended up shooting 78. But on courses that are you know have a, a nice enough link to uh, to where we're playing uh, this week, the Honda Classic earlier this year, he uh, finished where I have a third, fourth, top five or fifth. six, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fifth, and then the Memorial, he got into a playoff and lost to to DeChambeau. So, you know, these things all come together quite nicely. And for 100 to 1 for a player who uh, can win on classical golf course, is pretty sure uh, Wentworth's Bankgrass as well. Yeah. 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 So, all those things come in, kind of point to uh, 
I have to I have to add him in at 100 to 1. Well, the other thing, thing is, Barry, I mean, uh, just uh, if you look at this from a strokes gain perspective, um, stroke gains on approach last year, um, Vegas was almost 1.8 strokes gained on approach. Um, he was 2.6 uh, total tee to green, and his putting was less than the stroke gained, yeah? And that also goes back to his... Um, his performance in 2016. So it seems to be that, you know, approach and ball striking, to be fair, it's a classical golf course. So, you know, players like Jason Day can kind of miss greens and scramble and putt like, you know, brilliantly. So they can, anyone can win around here. But the thing I noticed with Ben Ann, and Paul and I have a running joke with Ben Ann, by the coast, don't go anywhere near him. But as you said, round three, um, last, um, on Saturday, he shot a 66, which was the fifth best in the field. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, that was the same score as Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. So, and that 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 may I think he was twelfth, wasn't he, going into Sunday? And I, I was sitting there going, "Well, that isn't the kind of." I mean, Ben Ann at the Open Championship sitting in twelfth after fifty-four holes. Yeah, you, you take you take some positives from that. So, I think hundred to one is a far. I expected to see him at the kind of standard fifty to one price mm-hmm. that you get with him. Yeah, that's to me. That's such a mismatch. Uh, it's an auto bet. Mm. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary, Gary Woodland is uh, interesting enough to me. I'd, li- I'd like to have a little bit more than 33s on him. So maybe when other bookies come up uh, with a market, he might be a little further out. But, you know. Didn't he get he, very he, close to the top of the leaderboard Saturday and then he realised that he was close to the top of the leaderboard in a major <laughs> yeah. and, then, and he absolutely capitulated? Did I, did I imagine that? Or? There's quite a few like that over the course of the <laughs> Yeah, they're normally our tips, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't that close. He shot 71, 72, 72, 76. So, uh, no, it was mid-round, mate. He started really fast on Saturday, and I was seeing him in, like, he was in the top 10, getting up towards top 6 or 7 on the leaderboard, and then he, just start, he started throwing bogeys in all over the place. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, so look, for Lynx just does not seem like his type of uh, his type of thing at all. Mm. So yeah, this he'll, course he'll is feel perfect, far m- perfect for him. This course, yeah, he'll feel far more comfortable back here, and obviously he does feel comfortable because he finished fourth here last year. Mm. So happy to ignore the fact that he finished uh, towards the bottom of the guys that made the cut last week. And if I can grab a little bit more than thirty threes, I'm uh, I'm interested. Paul, can you see Billy Ho going bang bang? Because that is his style. That isn't is it? his style. I mean, you got the other thing you got to consider that they've only just finished today. Kind of tea time over here, sort of lunch time over, over there on the east coast. So that's taken a day out of his preparation. But yes, he's certainly that kind of momentum player. Um, mm. What price is he, Billy? Thirty three. Thirty three. I see. I see TPC Boston as as a very correlating course, and we know that he's won there. And you know, I just look at the places where he's played well, and there's a hell of a lot of um, carryover. Even, yeah. even places like Sedgefield. He is that kind of player who, you know, we've seen we've seen him do it, haven't we? We've seen him do it in the playoffs um, the, the year that he won the uh, the whole lot. Well, take 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 Vegas out of the equation from last year. But even when Vegas won here in 2016, he'd fin- he'd been the 54 hole leader at the Barbasol and finished third. Yeah. Jason Day had been the 54-hole leader at St Andrews and missed out on the playoff by one. Yes, and I know, you know you, 
you can't really compare Jason Day and Billy Hoshaw. I'm, I'm not mm. silly. But even go back to 2014 at Royal Montreal, Tim Clark didn't play the Open Championship, but he'd, he, he'd been fourth after 54 holes at the John Deere Classic, and then he won that tournament. I think that was the year that um, Jim Furyk shot some incredible score under par but didn't win. Yeah. So there's just something there, isn't there? You know, first after 54, first after 54, fourth after 54, and then you look at Billy Horshaw, where was he yesterday? I think he was either leading or joint second, wasn't he? Yeah, he was there at about. Yeah, I think he was tied first or something like that, yeah. So he, he uh, yeah, when he gets hot, does, just does he keep it hot? But he had a good run in a tournament there, what, about two months ago? Really kind of popped his head up and then disappeared again. Yeah, he played really well at um, it was um, the national. It was Tigers National, and this is it. You know, we, we you know you just look at how well Billy Horschel is playing at the moment, and he is at playing out of his skin right now. And I, I'm surprised to see thirty three to one about him. I know it's a it's a half reasonable field at the top of the leaderboard, but you know, momentum. You'd be kick, you know. I'm going to have to sit down tonight and go down the route that you did last week, though. Would I absolutely kick myself and jump out of uh, my office window if Billy Horshaw won at 33-1 to 1 next week? Yeah. No, knowing his MO. Knowing his, knowing his MO when he wins, which is, yeah, strong finish, then uh, back it up with another... Another one. And I know the, it, si- well, the I signs know, are there. Absolutely, and I know that it was a um, it was a, a a a team event last time out, wasn't it? You know, when he, he he's already won this year, isn't he? Yeah. Right. Now I know that was a team event, but I'm trying to get quickly. Bear with me, children. Let me get this up. Right here we go. In the build-up to him winning at New Orleans, he finished fifth at the Heritage and 11th at the Texas Open. And then the week after, so he, he, he went uh, Harpertown 5th, week after went to Texas, 11th, week after, Zurich Classic 1. And that, you know, that is just how he seems to do it. Mm. You know, we all know about the FedEx Cup and when he, when he won that. He's just that kind of sort that when he's, when he's found the putter, we just know that his ball striking is out of this world. Um, I don't know. He's going to be difficult. Just to go back to you, Barry, he, he shot 64-68 at, at Tigers tournament and then he threw in a 75 on Saturday and then, he's, lo and behold, he shot a 67 on Saturday. So actually, if you looked at that um, Tiger tournament across all four rounds, he was actually in the top 10, three of the four rounds, in terms of daily scoring. Hmm. That's how well he's playing right now. He's not far off, is he? So 33 to 1? It really could be a case of kicking yourself next week when you're like, of course he was going to win, or it's so obvious, you know. Mm. That's what I'm scared of. Mm. That's what I'm scared of. Yeah. Right then, and, and then of course I'm I'm still going, I'm still jumping hoops about whether Bubba Watson wants to win his kind of adopted nation's Open Championship. Does he win this, then win the PGA in a couple of weeks' time? Then. Oh, has he won the PGA in the future <laughs> he, already? Has, has, he, he? has he won that already, Paul? <laughs> in my mind, yeah. I said, I just said, I said to um, to um, Barry off mic. His um, his wife's parents live in Toronto, so whenever he comes here, um, there you know, there's a lot of this Canadian. You just get a feeding with Bubba. He's the kind of bloke that, as we know, when he forget about the miscut last week, it means nothing. If he goes to a course he likes. 
he pops up, yeah, like he did at the Travellers for us a few weeks ago. And he was second year, yeah. lost yeah. by a shot to Jason Day in 2015. And he's equally playing at the same kind of quality of golf that he was then, because I think he'd already won twice that season. But 20 to 1? Don't know. You can't, you can't moan at the price, because that's actually a realistic price. Yeah. But with Bubba, you always fancy sort of 28s or 33s, don't you? Bookies are a bit wary of him, as you say, you know, the wins that he's had this season, um, and he's that kind of beast, isn't he? He goes back to courses that he's comfortable mentally on, and he performs. Yeah. Yeah. He was sick there after day one last year, playing with those um, those cricket balls. Pink golf balls. Those cricket cricket balls. (laughs) Right, I've said enough, so over to you, Paul. Porsche European Open. Because I know that you're... Uh, for readers uh, or for listeners, Paul's uh, betting preview is already out there, so um, available, of course, in the description box or Podbean, of course, GolfBettingSystem.co.uk. Yeah, we on wanna, you go, Paul. Yeah, we put it out um, a couple of hours back, so um, I expect. Uh, to be fair, not not all of the bookies are priced up at that point, but there was a couple of prices that I really fancied by that point. So, so yes, we're live. Um, it's the Porsche European Open, which um, the European Open used to be on the. The European Tour going back, um, you know, into the into the last uh, decade, but uh, stopped in two thousand and nine. And it used to be at the place, the UK and Ireland uh, venues like the London Club and K Club and uh, Sunningdale, Walton Heath, those kind of places. But they've they've shifted it all over to Germany now. So for the last three years, um, we've been on a track over um, in Germany, and, and last year they they shifted to the Green Eagle. Uh, golf course uh, complex which is where we are this year um, if you go back to last year um, we didn't do the podcast this time last year but good job really because I was on Alex Levy last year um, who was my headline tip he was my biggest punt of the week um, and uh, he contrived in the playoff against uh, Jordan, Jordan Smith to miss a, an absolute tiddler to win the tournament that he subsequently oh. went subsequently went on to, to lose which um, even was... I cried that afternoon <laughs> that was extremely painful so of course it, it, when, oh, when you come to anniversary and you're, you're looking at the, uh, the your notes and uh, going back through the um, the videos online of what happened it uh, brings it all back sadly but so yeah fingers crossed we get something more of a a positive result this this time round. So, um, the Glen Eagle, oh, sorry, Green Eagle uh, complex is uh, set up over three courses on the outskirts of Hamburg. So they're playing the North Course here, which is an absolute brute from the tips. It's over seven thousand eight hundred yards from the tips for a par seventy three. Um, but it's set up. It's one of these modern courses that's got a number of teeing options. So there's four tees on each um, each hole. And last year and this year again, they're playing. A par 72 setup, 7,583 yards is what the card card will read. Now, last year, it was particularly wet out there. And even though the card was 7,583, they didn't play anywhere near as long as that. They reduced a number of the holes during the course of the four days to accommodate the fact that it was very wet. Um, And clearly, that helped the players to, to... hit these uh, fairways, hit the greens and, uh, and compile a score. Because it is a particularly tricky test. They've set this up to be the longest test in Germany, to be the what they're hoping is one of the trickiest tests in Germany as well. 
Um, so clearly when it was particularly wet and receptive, um, that hampered them to a certain degree because it could have been overly difficult to try and play at 7,600 yards when it's absolutely sopping wet. But uh, like the rest of Europe, it's been pretty dry over there over the last few weeks. And uh, I'm expecting it to be fairly firm. Um, I expect they'll still set the greens up to be quite receptive. I don't think they're going to want it to be, you know, another, you know, ridiculously firm, fast setup over there. You know, another kind of kind of pseudo links type setup because it's so firm. It won't be like that, I don't think. But it will certainly be firmer than last year, and it certainly won't be, um, you know, these these soft receptive conditions on the fairway. Um, so I'm expecting it to play a little bit shorter in terms of you know the actual way it plays, but um, equally I suspect they won't reduce the uh, teeing option, so you you'll find the actual yardage will be the 7,600 yards. Um, with the course of that length, as you'd expect, the fairways are quite generous, and um, but then you've got water on pretty much every hole. In fact, in fact I think there's only one hole there um, that hasn't got water in play in some shape or form. Um, large bent grass greens, five par fives um, on the course. And if you go back to last year, four of them played as um, four of the most uh, easy, the easiest holes on the week, as you might expect with a par five. Then you've got the 16th, which is 663 yards, is a bit of a monster. Um, and that certainly didn't play as amongst one of the, uh, the easiest holes. And you've got a couple of short yes. par it's not often you see a par five that's that difficult, is it? No, no, you're not. So, you know, if you've got one that's got a stroke index of around kind of seven, eight, nine, you know that that's a particularly tough three-shotter for, <laughs> uh, for, the, for the course. You've got a couple of short par fours there as well, on the first and the seventh. Um, and again, because they reduced the, the yardage last year, they were uh, fairly straightforward. They're not particularly long now, and I guess if there's more run on the fairways, they're still going to set up as a decent... Um, decent birdie opportunity but if you look I mean even with the setup last year and the fact it was receptive um, 13 under was the score that uh, Smith and Levy got to um, so with part five par fives it's not a complete pushover by any stretch of the imagination you know you, if, if you'd imagine that most of the top players were birdying one in two of the par fives at the top end there or thereabouts kind of maybe eight under ten under for the par fives that was the bulk of their score and seeing as they've had 20 attempts at the par fives over the course of four days, you know, that suggests the rest of the course is fairly tricky. Um, just looking at the form of Smith as he came in, um, he'd been pretty consistent. He'd, I think he'd made seven cuts on the trot without doing anything massive in terms of you know, really uh, standout performances. Going back to the, the previous events that uh, Levy and uh, Chongchai Jade, <laughs> Chong, Chong JD, easy for me to say, exactly. um, won the, the year before the previous event, the previous venue, both of them had finished top seven in their previous start. So there was a bit of form from them. Le, um, Smith was more consistent without any kind of standout form, but uh, clearly a little bit of form there as well. Um, I put a piece in my preview about how the guys who'd played the Open Championship the week before how they then subsequently fared when they got to Germany um, and to this track the week after. Um, and Levy had finished, um, in fact, he'd missed the cut the week before at Birkdale and then went on to, to finish second and, and, you know, by rights he should have won, really. Um, the best finisher of the top guys, um, or the, those who actually done reasonably well, was Richie Ramsey, who finished 22nd at the Open and then 8th um, here 
the week after. So there wasn't, other than Levy, there wasn't a, a massive amount of uh, you know, really contending performances from those who played the Open Championship. But you know, you've got a sample of one year there where you've had this setup of it being uh, this event immediately after the Open. So yeah, as to whether you read anything into that is um, is, is up to yourself, I guess. Um, for me, I think the key to this will be how players attack the course. It is a risk reward kind of setup. Um, you can see when you've got someone like Alex Levy who's done well and you know again you know was right up there with the chance to win that a risk reward setup is probably going to be the kind of um, course conditions at the time. Um, when it's sopping wet, that absolutely suits him down to the ground. It's going to be far drier this year, and I think you're likely to see a slightly different kind of um, cast near the top. Um, I think you're going to need a bit of length. I think you're going to need a um, bit of control from tee to green because it's going to—it's not going to play as wide as it did last year. The balls are going to be running a bit further on the fairways and they're going to be going through into the rough. I think to be consistently fine in the water, you've got to be pretty wayward here. So, um, you know, it should be more about the position from the tee, get get as far up the fairway as you can and attack these... Uh, attack these big greens the greens are tricky they are large there's going to be a lot of three putts um, so you know those who can get a decent bit of proximity into the greens as well um, they're, they're the kind of guys that could go well here um, and if you look at the top of the market um, you've got some players that have clearly come straight over from the um, from the Open Championship and they kind of dominate the top end of the market so you've got Patrick Reed at 9-1 uh, uh, Paul Casey at uh, ten to one in spots, and and Bryson at uh, sixteen, but generally around about the eleven twelve mark. So those guys are sapping a big bit of the market up. But as to whether, you know, whether they, they any of those guys are going to go on and perform here, and whether you can justify, you know, what should really just be a win only bet at that kind of price, for one of those guys. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced enough to go down that route. You got the likes of Schwartz or Pat, Pat Perez, who played really well actually for parts last week, didn't he? Perez, at the 25 to one uh, mark, and then you got the likes of Alex Levy. And again, you know, as much as I, I, you know, enjoy watching Alex Levy's game, and as much as I've backed him in the past, it needs to be far softer for me to be involved with him in this kind of. Uh, in this kind of event, um, yeah, it's all. It's also not. It, last year wasn't Ryder Cup year, and he's already said that he's absolutely at his wit's end. I think even he's starting to lose the will to live in terms of Ryder Cup qualification. Yeah, there's a few of them. It's starting to affect. I was, I was listening yeah. to some comments on Ross Fisher the other day, and um, you know, Ross yeah. is Ross is quite a way away from it. But you know, they were talking. Why about isn't he playing this? He should be playing this. This course sounds perfect for him. Yeah, a firmer, firmer track should be. You know, one that needs a bit of length and needs a bit of accuracy. Mm. Yeah. You're not wrong. It's, uh, it seems like a you know a far stronger setup, um, but yeah, you know perhaps he needs to mentally take a little bit of a break from it to try and settle himself down. Because if it's affecting his performances, because you know, it's putting too much pressure on him, then then not good. It's not going to go well, go down well. And um, Jordan Smith, thirty three to one, is a uh, you know defending champion, and I think you you've got to. Um, you know, you've got to be a certain type of player to be, to be able to go out there and defend um, on, your, on your first attempt. It's, it's quite, a, quite a challenge. So I've looked a little bit further down and the, the, the four players that I've backed, um, the first one is Richard Sterney, uh, the South African. And I think if you look at someone like Sterney, he's, you know, he's long enough off the tee. Um, if you look at his last effort in Scotland, he was third for title driving, uh, second for 
uh, driving accuracy second for greens and regulation. So his long game's working really well. Loves bent grass greens. Um, he opened with 65 at uh, Gull and closed with 64. So there's clearly lots of form there. And it's interesting, since he's been far more injury-free, you know, in, his part, in the past he's had quite a few injury problems, but he seems to have been um, controlling it and managing it far better recently. And going back to August last year, he's only missed the cut in one event. Um, and you know, clearly playing a lot of very consistent golf. And for me, there's a lot of correlation there between how he's playing and how um, Jordan Smith was playing last year. Um, his record in Germany is good. He's made nine straight cuts on the trot. Um, fourth into Sunday here last year. Um, and he was in far worse form when he arrived here. And he clearly had a chance to win this last year as well. And I think, you know, if you look at some of the South African performances over the last couple of weeks, you know, Brandon Stone shooting that 60 could easily have been 59, couldn't he, at, uh, in mm. Scotland. Uh, Trevor Immelman popped up again from seemingly from obscurity. And they get, like it. They like it firmer, don't they? They do. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was clear last week at the Open with EVR. EVR, it? yeah. EVR up there. Um, Zander Lombard, the other guy that was up there. Zander yeah. Lombard. Zander. I mean, when, that, when that's when that's running firm, South Africans come to the come to the fore. Yeah, they do absolutely. I mean, Lombard dropped right away, but um, you know, there's. There's a case to be made for Lombard this week, I must say, if he can lift himself as well um, after last week's effort. A few of these guys, and um, there's quite a lot of them in the field, have played four or five weeks straight. And, you know, with that last week culminating in the Open Championship, I wonder how much um, there's left in the tank with some of these guys. And Lombard, mm. Lombard was very close to my thinking, but um, this will be his sixth week straight, I think. And after... Contend, you know, semi-contending for a good three days last week. I wonder if there's anything left physically and mentally, but we'll see. You know, these, these, you know, these these young young lads who can lift themselves week after week. Perhaps, uh, perhaps one of them will pop up again. Um, so yeah, I've gone for Sterney. Um, he was fifty to one with Coral seven each way with Coral this week. Um, Scott Hend, I've gone for fifty to one again, same price. That this was with. Uh, this was with three six five. Um, Paul, Paul I've got to, I've got to stop you. I've got to stop you because I'm just chuckling away here. <laughs> it, it, it is. It, it's got nothing to do with what you're saying because what you're saying is all true. But the price that you got on Lucas Herbert is absolutely monstrous. <laughs> it's all wrong. It's absolute. I am seeing it. So, I'm sorry, listeners. I just I get carried away. I'm like a child. I'm seeing him at forty-five to one, and you've backed him at one hundred and fifty to one. Yeah, uh, one twenty-five. I've got Lucas Herbert. Was it one twenty-five? Uh, uh, yeah, shocking. He's, he's Barry. Uh, I, you know, I've I've managed to get a, just a bet on Lucas Herbert in the last five minutes, and uh, oh, multitasking. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, even I'm multitasking, mate. I've I've just thrown a fiver at Lucas Herbert on Betfair Exchange. He is absolutely perfect for this. Yeah, it's another, another sorry, one. Sorry, Paul. I, I didn't right. mean to interrupt. I just that's had to right. get it out there. I'm, I'm sorry. He'll miss the cut. <laughs> yeah. I'll do Herbert Ferson. Um, but yeah, um, when I back him, back at the um, Rocco Forty, yeah. wasn't it? In Sicily. Sicily, and Sicily, Sicily. Sicily yeah. and that was off the back of three missed cuts. And he finished third there. And he absolutely flew through the field with a 63 in the final day. And finished he finished a shot. Yeah. yeah, he finished a shot short of the, um, of the playoff, which, you know, well. You know, it's so near, but yet so far. But 150 to one, it was that week, and uh, you know, it's a decent each way payout. 
um, as you'd expect. And he's not been great since. He hadn't been great before that. You know, if you go back over Christmas, he had a real patch of form and then died away a bit. Three missed cuts, then he finished third in Sicily. Died away a bit again recently. But, uh, you know, if you look at the, the, the finishes he's had, one of them was at the US Open, which you can forgive him for. Um, 51st at the Open Championship last week. Um, but then you going into Sunday, he was sitting at two under par. He's twenty eighth. So had he yeah, produced yeah, yeah. a you know an Eddie Pepperell kind of round, um, he would have mm. finished top ten. And you know you'd be looking, yeah, you, yeah, wouldn't, yeah, you yeah. wouldn't even got a sniff of one twenty five. You know he's, he's down at hundred now as we talk this best yeah. price. But as you say, there's a number of firms, a couple of firms down at forty fives, and there's a few more around about the kind of sixty six bracket as well. So there's clearly some disparity about. Uh, how the bookie sees chances this week, and I, I like that. We've talked about it a number of times in the past. Mm. When, when there's a bit of, um, yeah, I don't know, it's, where, where, where there's not a consensus about a certain players' chances, then you know it's usually because there may be something in that. And uh, as you say, yeah, one two five earlier was very nice indeed. So that's Herbert, um, his compatriot Scott Hendel. I've backed at fifties. I I always yeah, I put in my preview you know I always back him with a bit of trepidation because he's that kind of player that um, can get himself right in the mix and on a Sunday it just doesn't happen um, but then he's won eight times on uh, on on the various tours we know that he can get in the position to win and we know he's long we know that he's um, well capable of, of winning at this kind of level um, and if you look at his form, he's not, he's not always a kind of player that does produce a lot of consistent um, finishes one after the other. But in his last six starts, he's finished in the top 14 four times. So, um, you know, there's some good underlying form there. He was leading in Germany last time they played at the BMW International last month, um, leading into the final day and finished seventh there. And going into Sunday in Scotland on his last start, um, he was out in the penultimate group, so he had a great chance there again. And again, it just didn't quite happen on the Sunday. He finished fourteenth. Now you do kind of set yourself up with someone like Hender. He gets himself in that position again and doesn't convert. Yet we have seen him go and produce a decent Sunday and, and get over the line. So at fifty to one, I thought he was worth taking and um, taking a risk in this. And he's finished fourth in this particular event back in 2015. If you look at the likes of Alex Levy, who's taken form from the old track to, to this one that they played this year, um, you know, the fact that he finished fourth on the previous used track before, um, I don't think is a bad indicator and indicator at all, really. I think it's, uh, it's another positive tick in the box. So a bit of German form, a bit of current form, um, and certainly a game that fits. Um, so yeah, I like a bit of hand. And the, and the final one I've gone for is Marcel Ciem, um, one of the local guys. You know, and he's not been great as he for the last couple of years. I remember back when he won the uh, was it the French Open, wasn't it? Maybe mm. like five years or so ago. And yeah, that particular week, he was top for driving accuracy. He was top for GIR there and thereabouts. And you know, put on a master master show from uh, from tee to green and. He's just not been there recently, but he's got a new coach now, uh, Hugh Marr he's working with, he's made some swing changes, he said he's found something in his swing prior to his last effort, which was at Gullen. Um, and again, you know, similar to Hend, I suppose, going into Sunday at Gullen, he was in third spot. Um, didn't happen, he shot 70 in the final round, finished 14th, but there's something percolating with him, there's some confidence growing, and he's that kind of emotional confidence driver um, you know, that, that needs that confidence to, to drive his game on. Um, if you look back last year, he finished 60th here last year, so nothing nothing much to shout about. But um, he made a hole in one in one of the rounds. And he won himself a 200 grand Porsche as a, 
a nice little bonus for uh, for making that ace. Um, and that sparked him into life. He went and finished second to Adrian Otegi in Germany the week, uh, on his next start rather, at the um, Paul Laurie match play. Finished 10th in his next um, stroke pay start in Denmark. And clearly that sparked a little bit of confidence in him. Um, and he's the kind of, again, the kind of aggressive player that I think could go well on this track. So he was the same price. He was 125 as well. Um, and there's still a bit of that available right now. So, so yeah, they're, they're the four that I've backed. And the full reasoning and um, rationale is in the preview on the uh, that's linked from the Podbean description. Any fancy from you guys? Luke, Lucas Herbert. <laughs> Price, isn't it? Um, that's that's a that's a that's a that's a tasty bit. The one I the one the one I'm surprised you didn't go for, and, and I can understand the reasoning. But he was fifth here last year, wasn't he? Zonda uh, Lombard was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I, it's, I wonder. I wonder if he's the kind of guy that's again going to come and just bite you. One of these obvious slap around the back of the head type jobs. It's yeah. It is. He's only the only thing that puts me off is the fact that he's played so much golf, and clearly there would have been a lot lot of adrenaline, a lot of you know, emotion spent over the last, um, well, the first three days of the Open, and then he kind of all dissipated on the Sunday. Can he lift himself straight back and, and contend? Quite possibly. You know, there's there's uh, some firms are going close to 100 to one on him this week, and I don't know. He kind of dropped out of the final cut, but um, but yeah, it's, you know, stranger things have happened. If he can lift himself again, that is. If he can lift mm. himself. I have won. Obviously, uh, for somebody who hasn't won on the European Tour, I'd like his odds to be a little bit longer. But you know, a few things are kind of seem to be making sense and coming together. Uh, it's Aaron Rye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's thirty-five to one. He's had a couple of pretty nice results recently in uh, Ireland and Scotland. On the fifth, um, a couple of weeks before that, he uh, and it just. Looking back at his wins on the Challenge Tour, um, you you often talk about biorhythm, Steve. Yeah. Well, uh, on this day last year, uh, or this week last year, he uh, he won the Le Vaudreuil Golf Challenge. Yeah. In uh, in France. Okay. And so you know, there's a good feeling about the time of year. He uh, he also played very well in the BMW International a few weeks ago, Paul, which Paul was uh, on him. Yeah, yeah, I, I backed yeah. him that week. And for me, you know, so, so, I, I think there's lots to like about him, Barry. Very accurate player, very accurate player. Um, the, the price put me off a little bit, but uh, don't let that put you off having a pun on him if you fancy. Yeah, little sh- little short, unfortunately, but you know went well in the BMW. That again in Germany. So go back to play. You know, go back to Germany. My, you know, it could have been a freak result, but then it could just feel comfortable in the country, and you know, so that aligned with the the win on the Challenge Tour last year, and you know, coupled with a couple of you know his best European Tour results have just come recently. He could just be rounding into form and just capping it all off with a win this week. Yeah. So I'm gonna try catch him with like a boost or something like that because thirty fives is a little bit short. He's for... a he's a proper GIR monster, isn't he, Ryan? Well, yeah, he's a lot of fairways as well. He's tee to green, very very strong, and he's he, he's not the longest, but he's certainly not the shortest off the tee either. So he when he gets the rest of his game, um, you know, when when that week comes around where it all aligns, he will win a tournament. I don't think there's any doubt of that whatsoever, really. 
Um, and his, his short game is really strong in Scotland. I mean, scrambling stats, 85.7% in Scotland. That's pretty, mm. pretty impressive. He doesn't make many bogeys. And you know, that, that isn't a bad thing to have around this place, I think. Uh, it's just whether he can make enough birdies to, uh, and birdies on the par fives potentially to. Uh, to if you were to, right to if you were to compare him, Paul Aaron Rye this season, where Jordan Smith was at this point last season, would you say yeah. Smith was slightly ahead of Rye, or were they? Is Rye pretty much exactly at the same stage that Smith was last year before he I, won? I think Smith was probably slightly more consistent, um, but then Rye's had a couple of decent top tens that you know. That are more tangible, I think, than than, than Smith. Mm. I, you know, I, I say I, I backed him last time he was in Germany, and I think, you know, he has got the potential to uh, to win a tournament and win a tournament quite soon. Um, but yeah, I guess it, you know you, you've got to try and justify in your own mind as, as to whether the prices make sense, and it didn't quite add up to me. But um, that doesn't mean he doesn't win it by any stretch, or it doesn't mean he doesn't place. Yeah, neither did Francesco's last no. week, but, you know, boom. No. Sometimes <laughs> we're all trying to find a bargain that's just not out there. The, uh, the Smith, the Smith storyline, the way he won it last year, that kind of crept in my head as well. A young English player, you know, yeah. so. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that, that will, he will get my money. Just uh, hopefully I can grab a, a boost on, mm. was it William Hill do boosts? I'm not sure if there's other ones. Yeah, Labbrooks as well. I'll uh, tell you what I noticed, gentlemen, and, and then we'll disappear. Ashley Chester's poll. He was mm. second in the predictor model that you put out earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, why, why is he such a big price if he's such a great statistical fit? I, I guess it's just, you know, people don't know a great deal about him, I guess, and the bookies don't, you know, he probably doesn't seem like he's a, a massive risk to them in terms of... Uh, in, in terms of his chances of winning this particular event, but uh, again, uh, you know, he was another one that it's very difficult to to suggest he's not gonna not gonna go well. He finished eighth here last year, and um, mm. he's good from two to green. Very very accurate player. Um, finished seventh um, six seven weeks back. I forget which event it was now. Um, the thing that put me off with Chester's is he's one of the shortest off the tee. And you know, I've, yeah. I've kind of I've worked through the rationale for this, and for me, he, he no. may he, he may yeah he, he may well go out and shoot six under eight under for the week something like that. But is that anywhere near good enough to finish in the top seven or five or whatever the each way pace is going to be? And he might be just outside of it. You know, for for a, a DraftKings type play, he could be a very strong play for that because he may well finish fifteenth or twelfth or twentieth or whatever. If you want to pick mm-hmm. him up in the top twenty market, something like that. But I just I I I didn't see him having quite enough um, length of the tee to con- contend here, but we shall see. Only it, only only one each way payout in two years on the main tour, which was seventh at the Shot Clock Masters. Yeah, mm, I can see what you're saying. But yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's 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 not far away, is he? You know, there are enough kind of top twenty, top twenty-five finishes in and around that to suggest that he's not a million miles away. I think he just needs a bit more length off the tee. Add another ten or fifteen yards, and he'll be a player. The other one I noticed last week was Tom Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, he, he got, seems he seems to have turned the corner, doesn't he? Yeah, he got through qualify, local qualifying um, in second or third spot. I forget which course it was, but um, he did well to get through that for the Open. And then 
Um, I think he'd finished 10th or something like that in one of the um, Challenge Tour events. Golf Challenge, yeah. Yeah, that'd be the one. On the, check, on the, on the Challenge Tour, yeah. So yeah. clearly there's something something going with him. And, you know, he's, again, he's that kind of player that's, um, you know, he, he can score particularly well. I remember him, you know, getting close to a 59 again two or three years back on, where was it, Denmark or Czech Republic or something like that. He, he did particularly well. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just been off the boil a bit recently, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he may well come back he, you know, he, he may find something in his swing or change his coach or whatever these guys do to try and change their fortunes and things start yeah, to tw- 26th in the BMW International Open 10th at the Prague, Prague Golf Challenge and then 47th last week at the Open he was uh, 40th after round 3 he shot a 68 on Saturday and it's just I mean last year at the Czech Masters um I take it that's the sh- is is that is that on, was that on the main tour Czech Masters it was wasn't it? He was third uh, yeah. last year. Yeah, third. Seventy five, sixty six, seventy, sixty seven. Finished third. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's, he's, yeah, he's capable, wasn't he? He got his. Portugal- is he, did he ever win on the uh, main tour? Yeah, that was the Portugal Masters. He won back in twenty twelve, mm. maybe twenty thirteen, something right. like that. So he was yeah. going to be the next big thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it's not quite uh, not quite worked, is it? You got Alex Fitz, Alex Fitzpatrick playing this week as well, um, who's uh, Matt's younger brother. So okay. it'll be interesting to see how he goes as well. Uh, he very nearly got through to Open Championship um, through local qualifying as well. He was only you know a few shots off uh, getting through, finished kind of tenth or twelfth from what I saw. So you know potentially another one to keep an eye on for the future. Right, thank you for your time, gentlemen. Um, congratulations again, Barry. Don't, yeah, well spend done, Barry. All your, don't spend all your money all this week on these bets. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, and I, well, I'll offer my congratulations to many listeners out there who I'm sure were also on Frank, uh, Francesco. So well done to you guys. Uh, we'll be back. Um, are we going to be back next week? I'm not sure we're going to be, are we? No, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm on holiday next week. So we're actually going to have a week off next week of the podcast. Uh, Paul's, Paul and my tips will be available all the usual content will be available but no podcast next week right thank you and uh, good evening <laughs>